This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is gift-wrapped and delivered to you just in time for the holidays. A fuzzy and dreadful yarn called Fluff. Not every gift is a blessing. Christmas was a week away, and the whole world danced in the festive glow of Christmas lights. A boy walked down a dark, cold street. The frosty winter wind blew hard and chilled him. That wind, which measured its power by degrees of discomfort, was without mercy. The boy quickened his pace as he turned around the corner as if trying to escape. But it was no use. As if despite the boy, the wind blew harder, chasing after him like a wild beast. The boy shivered and pulled up the hood of his jacket. The street was abandoned. Christmas lights wrapped around the street poles and lined the road, but they no longer looked cheerful only abandoned and lonely. In the dark, among the wind and the ice, this street could have been anywhere at all. Enveloped in mystery and cold, it stretched itself into the far corners. The boys stopped in front of a neon sign and looked up. There was no telling what the sign said, and the boy struggled to decipher it, letter by letter. Inside the building, music and voices could be heard. Another shiver went through him, and a moment later, a tear glistened on his cheek. Are you lost? The boy jumped, startled, and turned sharply from where the voice came. A large man stood in front of him. The man had a big beard and kind, light eyes. He must have not been very old, but to the boy he looked ancient, more apparition than human. It's late, the man continued as he walked unsteadily towards the boy. He stopped in front of him and took out a cigarette, then lit it. Are you Santa? 
The boy stared at the man with his large eyes, full of amusement. The man smirked. Sure, kid. Where are your parents? You alone out here? The boy looked around as if trying to find his parents and then wiped where a cold tear still clung onto the cheek. I was going home. I am... I am going home, he admitted, then wiped his nose with the sleeve of his jacket. And where is home for you? The boy considered the question and shook his head. I don't remember the address. We just moved. I was supposed to get back before dark. All right. All right, don't worry. It's a small town and not too easy to get really lost. The man crouched down and looked into the boy's face. So you're new here. That's good. Do you remember what your place looks like? We live above our store. The toy store, the boy responded and looked around. There was no toy store anywhere in sight. A toy store, the man repeated slowly and blew out smoke. Hmm, and you say you just moved. Well, I know there was an empty place by the garage. It's been empty for a while, but I guess it could have been rented now. Does that seem like your place? He took the boy by the shoulder gently and looked into his eyes. Do you remember a garage on the corner there? The man paused and thought for a moment. Oh, and I think there is a pharmacy nearby, isn't there? The boy brightened instantly and nodded. I do, yes, I do remember a pharmacy. I go there to get candy. Well, not all the time. Good. The man stood up and zipped his jacket. I know where that is. Why don't I take you home? The boy backed away. But I don't know you, he hesitated. He knew the man would probably get him there, but he was not allowed to go anywhere with strangers. The man extended his large hand towards the boy. Jack, he said. And what is your name? Rick, the boy responded shyly. Well, Rick, my man, now we know each other. Why don't I take you over there? Your folks must be real worried. The boy was not sure what he should do. But the wind picked up just then and blew so hard the boy could barely feel the skin on his hands. There was nothing else that he could think to do, so he followed the man obediently as the man led him through the cold, dark streets of the town that Rick still only barely knew. It was several blocks of walking and a couple of turns, but little by little the streets once again gained familiarity, and the boy grew calmer. He knew they were headed in the right direction. Jack walked next to him, slowly to give Rick a chance to keep up, the man's body a tower compared to Rick's tiny frame. Rick looked up and stared at the man. His features were dark and heavy, which gave him a tired look. Yet his eyes were kind and thoughtful. Jack was a type of person who it was easy to talk with, the type to tell stories with most incredible endings and later swear that those were all true. Rick felt safe with this man, and something strong and warm formed in his heart. They stopped in front of an old building with crumbling walls and old paint that peeled in large patterns. 
giving the whole place a forlorn look. Jack stared at it for a moment before he spoke. Well, it's true then. Someone had finally rented this old dump. He turned to the boy. You know, your folks gotta fix it up a bit. This won't do as a toy store. Rick did not say anything. He grinned, and his dark eyes narrowed, as if picturing the place all fixed up. He started saying something when suddenly the door swung open and a thin little woman ran out to the street wearing nothing but a robe and slippers. Where have you been? She screamed into the street at the little boy. She ran up and got really close now, and Jack could see the unmistakable sign of distress on her face. She was worried, probably walked up and down these streets five times looking for the boy. The woman grasped the boy by the shoulders and shook him with force. I was beside myself, do you hear me? Why would you take off like this? Her face was red and flushed, hot despite the savagely cold wind. I was just about ready to call the police. She stopped shaking the boy and hugged him to her chest, rocking him like a little baby. Oh, where did you disappear to? I looked everywhere. He is okay, miss, Jack interrupted. While the mother was flustered over the boy, he watched the woman closely. Even in her robe and slippers, she looked beautiful. And Jack wanted nothing else but to get to talk to her. He really is. See? Jack motioned to the boy as if trying to make a point. He just wandered off a bit, that's all. It happens. The woman turned to Jack and her face turned serious. Who are you? She demanded. Jack extended his hand towards her and smiled. I'm Jack. I live around here, too. I was at the bar when I saw your boy walking all alone and I helped him find you. He kept smiling despite the woman's gaze on him. But the woman did not seem to care about his role in this. She turned sharply to the boy. Get inside, she barked at him and then turned back to face Jack. Thanks, she said, and was about to turn and head back into the house when Jack held her by the shoulder. It was a bold move, but he hoped she would at least invite him in for a drink. It's pretty cold out here, he explained. I'd be grateful if you could get me something warm before I go. The woman shivered, as if noticing the cold and the wind for the first time. She did not smile, but motioned for Jack to follow her. The three of them entered a small warm hall and then went up the stairs to the apartment. The small room they entered was intercepted by a tiny kitchen and a hallway stretched beyond that. In the light, the woman looked even more attractive than before. Jack could barely keep his eyes off her, so he studied the apartment instead. The apartment was scarcely furnished. The only large object was a giant dining room table in the middle, too large for the whole place. Furs of all colors and other materials covered the surface. Scissors? Jack did not see the toys right away, but when he did, he had to stop and really look at them. They lined every counter and every shelf, finally spilling onto the floor. Some were happy toys, teddies and dogs and cats with hard shiny eyes and bright soft bodies. Then there were others. Those toys were not happy. They were strangely shaped and bloated, as if made weird on purpose. Their appearance, strange and grotesque, 
Jack picked up a toy that reminded him of an elephant, but in reality could be anything, and stared at its disfigured face. Please put that down, the woman said softly. She extended her arm to Jack and handed him a glass of brown liquid. It smelled strongly of liquor. Isn't it what you wanted? Jack stared at the liquid and nodded. It was indeed exactly what he wanted, and he sipped it carefully, the warm contents spilling into his body, igniting him from the inside. This is good, he said. He put the toy down. This toy, I mean. This isn't really... It's worthless, the woman admitted. I can't sell it in my store. Why not? Jack asked. But that was a silly question. Of course, nobody would buy the ugly toy for a child. It was repulsive in a way that was scary. Not cute. I made all these myself, as you can see. The woman picked up a little pig and studied it. Some just don't come out right. Normally I wouldn't bother, but Ricky likes them. I finished the weird ones for him. The boy's eyes brightened and he jumped to his feet. Let me show you, he exclaimed and ran off down the dark hallway. A moment later, he emerged with two toys, both grotesque and awfully frightful. He extended one towards Jack, a toy that had a long, curved nose and mad eyes. Jack stared at the toy, and something inside of him felt odd, as if the toy was somehow watching him. It was an uncomfortable feeling, but Jack knew it was only a toy, so he smiled. You like this? he asked. That's Marcus. Rick said. I always liked him. Marcus is so kind. The boy's mother moved the boy away from Jack. She seemed embarrassed to have made something so awful. Go on now, Ricky. The nice man does not want to look at these. Jack laughed and sipped his drink, but the truth was that he was relieved that the ugly things were no longer in front of his face. The room felt lighter with them gone. You make these? All of them? I do, the woman said. Jack expected her to smile, but her expression was the same, cold and indifferent. He couldn't help but picture her smiling anyway. She had a great smile, he could tell. Like a little elf, Jack replied and grinned. The woman frowned. She picked up a toy off the floor and set it on a table. Not many people appreciate one-of-a-kind handmade toys these days, but they really are so much more special. I can even make them to look like pets and people. That's great, Jack agreed. Maybe I'll take a look at your store for a stocking stuffer for my kids. The woman nodded. It suddenly occurred to Jack that he did not even know her name. He wanted to ask, but the boy ran up to him and bumped into him with such force that Jack's drink spilled on the floor of the kitchen. I like him, Rick screamed. I want to keep him. Can't he stay, Mom? The boy's body rocked back and forth as if attached to a pendulum. His voice was now a loud whine. Stop that right now, the woman screamed. Do you hear me? She grabbed the boy by the arm and walked him to his room. Jack saw the two of them disappear down the dark hallway. He could not help but feel bad for the boy. And it was clear to Jack that the woman was single. He found that exciting and finished what was left of his drink. Jack heard hushed voices coming from down the hall, but he did not mind. He went around the room studying each toy, looking through the tiny place. It was old, small, and stuffy, but still had the inviting feel that such places can get.
He picked another toy up and looked at its silly face. It was a rat with neon whiskers and a pink nose. The rest of it was gray, but the bright whiskers looked happy and fun. Do you like it? A woman's voice came from behind him. He turned, startled, and noticed that the boy was still in his room. It was just the two of them now. The woman was holding another drink, and she finally smiled as she handed it to Jack. I am sorry about Ricky, she said quietly. He can get really demanding sometimes. You see, his father is gone, and he acts out. It's not all the time. She paused. Her face was flushed, embarrassed once again. It's no problem, Jack said and took a big sip of the drink. To his surprise, the liquid was not what he had before. It was bitter and gave off a strange odor. He stared into his glass and was about to ask when the woman turned and produced a bottle of whiskey. I'm sorry. Let me get you more. She glanced back at Jack and smiled again. She had a very beautiful smile. Jack smiled back, wide and smitten. He realized that the drink was getting to him. It must have been strong, whatever she gave him. The woman poured more into his glass, and Jack really did not mind. Everything felt bright, warm, and comfortable. Would you like to sit down? The woman motioned to the couch and led Jack by his arm. He smiled wider, satisfied with how his night was turning out, and followed the woman. The lights were getting brighter, and the taste of bitterness in his mouth was strong and kept growing. Jack took another sip of his drink and enjoyed the burn. He made it to the couch, and the woman turned off the lights. Only the Christmas tree stayed on, its lights dancing on the walls and the ceiling. What? What's your name? Jack managed to get out and noticed just how heavy his tongue was. Morgan, the woman said. The sound of her voice rang in Jack's mind as he closed his eyes and let them stay closed, surrendering to the warmth that was taking over him. Morgan. His ears rang and felt hot. Morgan. He licked his lips and winced at the bitterness he suddenly tasted. Morgan. It was suddenly dark. When Jack opened his eyes, there was a moment of panic. He was laying on the couch in an unfamiliar room. It was dark except for Christmas lights. He sat up and immediately regretted it. A pounding headache pierced his skull and Jack winced from pain. When it subsided, he looked around again. He was in a room that was completely covered with plush toys, toys of all sizes and colors. Some happy and others sad. It took him another minute to remember where he was. The memory of the boy and the tiny apartment above a toy store rushed back. How much had he had to drink? Then Jack remembered the name. Her name. Morgan. Where was she? He looked around, but everything was dark. The clock read just after four in the morning. Jack felt sick. He would have to go home and try to explain this to his wife, which was going to turn into an argument, and he knew there was no way out of it now. 
He tried to recall what happened with Morgan. She kept pouring him drinks, he remembered, and was mad at himself for drinking too much too fast. Jack tried to get up and off the couch, but his body felt heavy and his limbs seemed useless. He couldn't remember the last time he was this hungover. He did not want to think of going outside in the cold now, and besides, he was already in trouble. Wouldn't it be easier to sleep it off and come back home while feeling like himself? A minute later, Jack was fast asleep. We shall return to our story after a quick word from our sponsor. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jack woke up again when the sun was up and it looked to be late in the morning. He got up and was relieved to feel better. He was still mad at himself, but what was done was done. He gathered his things and was about to leave when he heard someone behind him. How are you feeling? It was Morgan. Listen, I gotta go. Jack stared at the woman who was no longer wearing a robe and slippers. She looked cold and severe and not nearly as attractive as he remembered her to be. He reached for the door. I am sorry if I overstayed my welcome. I, I really don't know what came over me. I don't usually... You were about to sit on my couch when you hit your head on a shelf last night, Morgan said. I'm sorry, it's entirely my fault. I should have warned you. She tried to laugh, but it sounded forced. I really hope you aren't in any kind of trouble. Are you feeling better? Well, I guess that would explain a few things, Jack replied. He did not remember hitting a shelf, but his eyes went to where the couch was, and sure enough, there was a shelf there. And it wasn't entirely impossible, Jack decided. He desperately wanted to get home. It's fine, I'm fine. He turned to go. Maybe we'll, uh see each other around. He was out the door and did not hear what Morgan said, but he figured it was a very enthusiastic goodbye. That day, Jack was sick. It wasn't just what happened last night or his own wife who was refusing to speak to him. There was something weighing on Jack, a strange feeling he could not explain. He got a headache that no amount of pills could conquer or even dull. On top of the headache, he felt clumsy and awkward. For no reason at all, Jack would stumble over a stair or bump into a wall as he entered the room. He stopped and rubbed his head again and again, worrying about the damage that just a small bump could do. 
He did not feel hungover, and in fact his mind was very clear. It was an odd day, and Jack wanted nothing more than to put the woman, the boy, and that toy store behind him, stick it back to an old dirty alley by the garage and a pharmacy out of his mind where he could pretend the evening never took place. But that was hard to do. Jack kept finding tiny pieces of fluff laying around. First he saw a clump of fluff on the kitchen table where he had his coffee. He stared at it, then looked around as if expecting to see Morgan or the little boy. His wife was in another room, and Jack grabbed the little piece of fluff and hid it in his fist, as if his wife would see it and know that he spent the night at another woman's place. As Jack made his way down a busy street, even more fluff showed up, blowing at his feet suddenly. He stirred at a clump of it at his boot, and his heartbeat quickened. Where did that come from? There was a discarded stuffed animal by the side of the road, and Jack breathed easier when he realized that the fluff must have come from the toy and not just follow him down the street. Of course, what a silly thing that would be. Fluff didn't just follow people around. Didn't show up in random places to accuse someone of having tried to cheat on a wife. Having tried to use a seemingly innocent situation to get something in return. Jack walked faster as he thought back to last night. Walked feeling his face get red and hot, feeling the embarrassment come over him in waves. He only hoped he would not meet that woman again. Not have to face her. That cold, scornful look. He resolved to avoid the block around where the toy store was, no matter what. That evening, Jack made it home in good time. He did not stop at the bar and was good and sober as he walked through the familiar door into a dark kitchen. His family was already upstairs, but a plate of food stood on the kitchen table, abandoned and cold, but its mere existence was a good sign. Jack sat down and ate it cold, ate it fast, and without thinking about what he was eating. His eyes narrowed on something on his sleeve. He paused and swallowed then put the fork down and pulled at his sleeve. More fluff came out. Jack's mouth felt dry. Where did that come from? He looked around. In the dim light of the kitchen, in the corner, something dark laid on the floor. Jack ignored it. Instead, he swallowed and got up, rinsed his plate, and froze. A piece of fluff fell into the sink. He looked around, almost convinced that the woman was playing a prank on him, but he was the only one in the kitchen. When he headed to the door, his eyes narrowed on the object in the corner again, and he could tell what it was now. A toy. One of those plush toys that every child has, except this one was missing a leg. It was old and ragged, and Jack decided that the fluff must have been coming from this toy all along. He picked up the toy and tossed it into the garbage. It was Christmas, and with the new toys the kids would get, they would never miss an old torn-up teddy bear. Jack's wife was already in bed when he got in the room. It was still early, but Jack did not want to make her angry. He undressed and carefully slipped in his bed beside her. It was clear that she was still awake, but she remained silent. Suit yourself, Jack thought, and closed his eyes. Jack's sleep was interrupted when his eyes popped open in the middle of the night. The moon was as bright as a flashlight, and its light stretched across Jack's bedroom floor. 
it took Jack a moment to understand why he was awake. His stomach felt like a piece of stone, and the pain escalated by the second. Jack's skin broke out in cold, sticky sweat, and he toppled over as he made his way to the bathroom. He knew he was going to vomit, and at that moment, that was a welcome thought. Something horribly unpleasant was going on inside of him, and he wanted it out of his body, whatever it was. As soon as Jack entered the bathroom, he fell to the floor and made his way to the toilet, where he proceeded to heave and groan. Nothing happened. He spat and felt the bitter taste accumulate on his tongue. That was repulsive enough to make him double over and have his body convulse, trying to get something out. But again, nothing happened. Jack tried to breathe, tried to cough, but it was useless. He felt helpless and vulnerable. He was stuck in that hot bathroom, stuck staring at the bottom of the toilet, and if that wasn't bad enough, his insides felt like they were on fire. A thought flashed in his mind. The food he ate earlier. Could his own wife have put something there? Could she have gotten fed up with him and their life together? Jack wiped the sweat off his forehead and groaned, trying to call her name. A panic rose up in his chest, a very real fear that maybe she even poisoned him. Pain shot through his stomach like a bolt of lightning. He groaned, but something seemed to have loosened within him. He got up to the toilet and put his head to the edge, hoping for anything at all, anything to make this pain any better. He made a few attempts, and nothing happened. He tried to breathe when suddenly a strong force overtook him at once. Something bitter poured out of Jack's mouth, and no matter how much he hated the feeling, he was powerless to do anything against it. His stomach contracted, and he felt something go up his esophagus. It did not feel like food, nor had Jack ever experienced anything like this before. He heaved and coughed, and his stomach, meanwhile, contracted and burned. Jack was determined to get whatever it was that tormented him out. He heaved and he coughed until hot tears ran down his cheeks. Jack's head felt heavy, and there was so much pressure in his chest he thought he would pop open. The whole thing felt like torture, like a horrible nightmare. Then Jack felt something. At the base of his throat, felt it sliding into his mouth. He shoved his hand down his throat, trying to help it come out, and started pulling. It was a strange sensation, nothing he had ever experienced before. He pulled and pulled, and finally, something wet and slippery came out of his throat and landed in the toilet bowl. Jack stared at it. His mouth still open with tears pouring out of his eyes. There, in his toilet, covered with slime and blood, a large clump of fluff was swimming. It was the same kind of fluff Jack saw earlier. The same fluff that had followed him around all day. Jack wiped his mouth and spat. He got up and felt unsteady on his feet, but felt much better. The pain and the burning were gone. He washed his face and felt immense relief as the coolness of water comforted his burning skin. He looked back at the toilet and the fluff that came out and felt sick. Should he see a doctor? Yet the fluff was so obvious it was so clear where he got it. The woman must have done something to him, he decided. That woman and her boy were both strange, and he felt it. 
Jack flushed the toilet and sat down on the edge of the bathtub, thinking. There was no use going to the doctor. The fluff was out of him and he felt like himself again. But why did it happen? Of course, he could not have eaten so much of it himself, and it was clear this did not happen in his sleep. Then Jack thought back to the headache, to Morgan telling him he hit his head. Did she try to do something to him? Anger rose up in Jack when he thought of it. That woman standing over him, beating him her fluff like some sort of perversion? She must be sick, sick and unwell, and that boy, no wonder he was lost. Jack was convinced that the boy was trying to run away. Thoughts went through his mind and grew into scenarios of monstrous proportions, grew until the monsters themselves materialized, and Jack decided that it was only right to confront the woman about the other night, find out what she really did while he was asleep. It was still dark when Jack made his way down the street where the old neglected building that was now a toy store stood. On his way, Jack passed a large Christmas tree, decorated and bright with lights it was. In a few minutes, the first rays of sun would emerge and light up the snow and the ornaments covering the tree. Jack looked at the base of the tree and noticed a large toy that stood there, as if taunting him. At the sight of the toy, Jack felt sick again. His body recalled everything it was forced to endure, and Jack turned, then walked faster, resolved to settle this for good. The toy store stood alone. Covered in snow and barely lit up by the light, it also looked a bit like a toy. Jack paused outside the door. He wondered how it would look, him showing up the way he did. He looked up at where the apartment was and watched the lights. He thought back to his awful night and the fluff, decided that even if he did look like a fool, it could not be any worse than what had already happened. Resolved, he made his way up the stairs. Morgan opened the door, and in the light of the apartment, she once again looked warm and beautiful. She smiled and did not say anything. Only motion for Jack to enter. He did so slowly, cautiously. Ricky isn't here, but he will be so happy you are back, she said and smiled sweetly. What? Jack looked around the apartment, trying to locate the fluff he saw earlier. Instead, the table was set for breakfast. Coffee rested on the surface, and the smell of it made Jack feel hungry. Would you like some? Morgan pointed at the coffee. I just made a pot. She smiled again and touched Jack's back lightly as she passed. I shouldn't, Jack tried to say. Suddenly he was at a loss of why he was there. His head began to spin. Just take a little sip, that's all. Morgan bent towards him, handing him a cup. Jack looked into the woman's eyes and his heartbeat quickened. He sipped the coffee and sat at our table. It was cozy and felt strangely like home. Morgan sat opposite Jack at a table and smiled, looking into his face. Jack remembered that he came for a reason. He tried to recall what the reason was, but his head was light and careless. He wondered if there was whiskey in the coffee, but he would have tasted it, surely, if that was the case. Nobody said anything for some time. Jack drank his coffee nervously. Well, I, um, I 
came here. Uh, you see, we have something to discuss, Jack started saying. Morgan nodded her head in agreement. Yes, yes, there will be lots of time for it. What I mean is, Jack tried to say, but his lips would not move, and his tongue felt frozen. He tried to lift his arm, and as he did so, it bent midair and snapped back, as if the bone grew soft and gave way. Jack gasped, but not much came out. He slouched on his chair, feeling his backbone melt away. The world was getting larger and stranger by the minute. Jack wanted to scream, wanted to say something, but even his thoughts felt stuck. Finally, Morgan stood up and approached him carefully. She extended her hand and stroked Jack's hand. Jack felt the touch, but it was odd, muffled, and inhuman. Next, Morgan squeezed his arm, and to Jack's horror, it was soft. She pulled something from between his fingernail and skin, and a piece of fluff came out. She held it in front of Jack's face and smiled. A Jack in a box, perhaps, she whispered. Her smile was still sweet, but Jack did not care. He was overcome with the strangest sensation. He tried to blink at the pain in his eyes, but his eyelids would not move. His eyes turned hard and glazed over like shiny plastic. He felt his face distort into an unfamiliar shape, and the features felt foreign and grotesque. He felt his belly grow large and soft, the burning sensation finally giving out to plushy discomfort before disappearing completely. Jack's thoughts were the only thing that still felt the same. They emerged and flowed with incredible clarity, suddenly plain for the first time about what was actually happening. The thoughts that went on, but were wasted, unable to be translated to words or motion. They ended exactly where they began. On Christmas morning, a little boy woke up in a tiny little apartment that needed repair. He was a lucky boy, because he was surrounded by toys. They covered every surface and every shelf of the tiny place where he lived. But Rick was not interested in those toys. They were dull and ordinary. The boy climbed out of bed and ran over to the tree. There, his special toy waited for him a Christmas gift like no other. A jack-in-a-box toy with the sharpest eyes that he had ever seen. The toy was grotesque. Its features were distended and its belly swollen. Pieces of fluff were sticking out here and there, but that did not matter. Little Ricky smiled at the toy and put it at the head of all others. A macabre collection of plush monstrosities smiled back from the shelf. Thank you for listening to Fluff, a holiday story from the in-between. Read to you by me, Neil Helligers. Music and post-production by David Williams. Written by Pi Rational Writer. Stories from the in-between is part of the Crawl Space Media Network family. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.